Good morning, everybody. Um, anyone ever remember the first time you walked into this space physically? It's pretty beautiful. Look up for a second. It's not often that you look around in a space and see this. I remember there was somebody, I can't remember exactly who they were, but they walked in, and pardon my French, but they were like, holy shit, this is beautiful. And then they were like... <laughs> they're looking at me and they're going like this and they're looking at me and they're like he didn't hear that did he what's going on there that idea that if something happens here maybe God whatever you mean by that maybe God's not paying attention not watching and I understand this is what I do for a living, so I, I can look inside of this person. They're just, you know, pulling out what they know. They're going, there's this idea that when I use the word God, what I mean is something that maybe is watching, something that I hope isn't watching sometimes. When I'm at a party and I have a few too many, I'm hoping they're not watching at that point, right? Heard a horrible story the other day of, well, it started off beautiful. A friend of mine's child was born with a defect of their heart. He was like, and the child makes it. Incredible. They were there for weeks. He walks in. So once you're at the hospital for weeks, you kind of get to know people. He walked to the next door and said, oh, the girl that was here with us, where did, did she go home? And the nurse says, No. She didn't make it. He was like, God was in my room, but wasn't in this room? See how these, these conceptions that we have, in some points they're beautiful, and they're affirming, and they're connecting, and they're supporting, and almost in the same breath we go, oh, that didn't feel as good. The idea that I could walk into a church and swear without thinking about it and then think maybe the divine being is not here listening to it so I won't get smitten. I checked it. That's how you say it. You know I looked it up from last time. <laughs> Smote. Smitted is the old version of it. Smote is the new one. But I like smitted. It's a nice one. This idea that, you know, if I do something here, maybe that won't happen because they're not paying attention. It's tied in this conception, and Jeff's talked about it really eloquently the last couple of weeks. It's this, this conception of God, and I'm using that word very carefully, conception of God. It's a way of conceptualizing. When I use the word God, what do I mean by that? We all have conceptions. Whether they're true or not, that's a different question altogether. But our conception of God as a super being is this idea of kind of like, think of me, just super, right? Bigger, smarter, more powerful, more all-knowing, more everything. That's this conception of super being. So it's like, hey, I'm trying to do this thing. You know, my child is sick or my friend needs help or something's going wrong in the world and I can't help. But maybe the super being conception of God could come and take care of this for us. That's pretty cool. There's a reason why this conception has been around for so long. And it's the conception that most people hold. Um, 
I was at the Sistine Chapel to, to see the frescoes. You can't actually see them from down, and there's people just yelling at you all the time, so it's really not a very spiritual place. But one of the pieces on the roof is this image. It's the image of Adam on the left, fully nude, good. And on the right is the perception of God. Now, in this image, if you're here in the temple, you can see it. If you're not, doesn't Adam look a little lackadaisical in like, his attempt to touch God? It's like he's kind of putting only like half effort into this thing. Eh, I don't know. But the conception is, that's God on the right. There's a bunch of angels and stuff like that. And that's Adam in humanity. Now, a couple things I want you to pay attention to. Do you notice how they're not touching? Because God is over there and Adam is over here. But the idea is that there's something in us that are reaching up. Again, Adam's kind of phoning it in, but, you know, (laughs) Adam, he's reaching up to God to to feel that connection, right? It's, It's how our brain thinks about it. And even when I use the word God, often this is what it comes up in my brain. That's the conception that's in my brain. Some of you might not know the Sistine Chapel. You know the other theologian that Jeff referenced the other day? Can you throw the other image up for me? Just one second, I told him. Just put the, the Simpsons image up for me. There we go. Our theologian, Homer Simpson, <laughs> you know, he's done something wrong again. And so now he's having this little visit with God. That's the character on the right. And so that conception of God like this is steeped into our minds, isn't it? It's hard to sometimes even see it. Now, Jeff did a great job last week. If you didn't listen to the message, I highly recommend go back and listen to it. He got all fancy with his wordings. He called it a theodicy of agency. Super cool. Um, Basically, what it means is, okay, how do you reconcile that conception of God and bad things happening in the world? For generations, for thousands of years, we've tried to figure this out. Why do we conceive of God as doing this over here and ignoring this over here? My friend's story, his mind, in his mind, it's God healed my son, but the next door he ignored. A theodicy is how do we reconcile that? And Jeff said, okay, okay, we got this idea of, okay, there's this, this super being God, super big, but they have characteristics. And when we, in, when we embody those characteristics like love and compassion and care, maybe we're doing part of that. We're being God-like. But it's all tied into a very particular conception that has one more very fundamental problem. I want to do it by telling you a very, very old story from the Bible. A guy named Elijah. He's standing there one day, and a voice comes to him. And again, remember, these are stories, so this is how they talk. A voice comes to him and says, hey, God's going to come and do a flyby. You know that you know, when you're at the show and like, the plane flies by? God's going to do a flyby. So it kind of be like this. We're all going to drive over to Nose Hill. We're going to sit on top of Nose Hill, and God is going to do a flyby. Who's in? No, seriously. Wouldn't that be cool? But what is assumed in that idea? What is assumed in that story? And this is the audience participation portion. 
What is assumed in a flyby? I'm sitting here on Nose Hill. We're all sitting there. We're hanging out. You guys have made me tea. I've made you hot chocolate. It's wonderful. We got music playing, some food. I'm midnight. We have to have snacks. What is going on in the moment before the flyby? Anticipation. I like it. What else? What was that, Esmond? Nervousness, yeah. <laughs> the, the story actually, when they talk about God, this is a very old conception of God. Before we split out good and evil from God, in our traditions, God is good, evil is not good, not God. They're still in the place where they have these conceptions, they hold it together. Good things come from God, bad things come from God. And so there's earthquakes, there's fires, there's these massive storms, so yes, nervousness makes complete sense of the story. But what is assumed in this moment? This is what I want us to get to because I want us to think deeply about it because this is the thing that impacts all that we do when we conceive of God this way. What was that? Yes. There we go. Thank you, Judy. In the moment before the flyby, is God here? We're sitting on Nose Hill, right? We're conceiving of God in a certain way. God's going to do a flyby. It's going to be wicked. What is happening in the moment before the flyby? God is not here. This is the peace that causes all kinds of problems. Because I can conceive. Again, remember, we're not talking about reality. We're talking conception. We're conceiving of God as something that's over there and not here. And then something that might come here. And then something that might leave again. And we will be alone. The idea, it comes from this conceiving of God as a super being. It's like human beings. So whenever we think of a human being, I'm here, you're there, right? That makes total sense. We never think in terms of me and you occupying the same space. Beinghood means you have a being, you walk around in your being in your life. You're only in one place at one time. And then when we, we conceive of a super being, we take beinghood and we just make it bigger but we hold on to the idea of a being that's localized, that can be here, it can be over there and then not here, and suddenly we have these conceptions of things like abandonment, aloneness. This space is not where God is. I want to reach out to God, so I'm going to go where God is, because God lives here, hopefully not when I'm swearing, though, because then I hope he's not here. Just as a side note, Jeff just dropped the F-bomb a few minutes ago in this space. He's over there. Everyone look at Jeff right there. Totally did it. He totally did that. I'm hoping God was here listening to that, because Jeff is in trouble. He makes fun of me all the time up here, so I, that was a fair shot. <laughs> Localization is often intrinsic in our conceptions. And that is the piece that makes it so we can feel alone, abandoned, God is not here, I have to go over there. And even more, that connection, can you throw up this slide for God and Adam again? There's God up there, and we're over here, 
and we're separate. I met with a lady the other day, wonderful lady. We were having this conversation. And my memory has them saying something along the lines like this. I want to feel closer to God. If I told you you could feel closer to God, would anyone be like, that sounds not bad? Now, I've spent my whole life studying this. So my brain right away went to, I wonder how they're conceiving of God. Are they conceiving of God like that Adam picture? Right? God's up there, I'm down here. And then maybe there's even another thing. You notice how, can you throw it back up for me? God is up higher than Adam. You see it in the Simpsons one. God is this massive being and Homer's down there like. <laughs> the idea is that somehow we are, the, the technical term is worms and dirt. It means there's nothing good in humanity. We are nothing but worms that grow in the ground and dirt. We're filthy, we're bad, we're horrible. The divine's up there looking down at us going like this. Oh, I saw that. Oh, I saw that. You just dropped the F-bomb, Jeff. I saw that. Can you see that feeling? What was it, Esmond's line? I'd be nervous. God's going to do a flyby. (laughs) I hope I'm up to date on all the things I wasn't supposed to do. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Now, I I think, now I'm projecting. I think what the person was doing was they're going, I am connected, this conception of God is up here, I'm down here, and I want to feel closer, but there's this sense of judgment and like, I'm not good and they're so separate and there's nothing divine here, nothing there. And in a moment of like pure non-dimensional memory fantasticness in my brain, I remembered the work of a guy named Paul Tillich. I wish this was my work. It's not. He's way smarter than I am. He lived, uh, he died probably, I think it was 1965. Now, I, I could spend three hours trying to explain Tillich that I don't fully understand, and I don't know how you do it justice, but I want to take one piece of his work and use it to help us go back to her story, then take us back to the flyby, and then take us back to our very conceptions of God. Paul Tillich, along with other mystics, Um, Do you have that line? One of the mystics said it this way. God, save me from God. That's kind of a weird sentence, isn't it? But you could maybe break it down and look at it. God, save me from my conception of God. What they're doing is they're going, wait a second, there's something missing in how we conceive when we use that word God. Tillich explored it through this whole other stuff, but basically what he said is this. The problem isn't in God. The problem is in the humanity portion that you're applying to your conceptions of God. Let me break that down. In your mind, God is in a space. That's how you conceive of God. God is over there. God is not here. God is going to do a flyby. It's going to come there, and then it's going to be here, and then it's going to go there. What if, Tillich says, what if we let ourselves be freed from the conception of God that has being in it, that is localized? God 
the divine, the more than, becomes part of every single thing. About 900 years, eh, a bunch of years after Elijah's story. Nation of Israel, our spiritual forefathers, get just their asses handed to them. The Babylonians come in, kick them, like destroy them, take a whole bunch of their intellectual elites, their best of their best, move them out place. Diaspora. Remember the other day when I asked them the word diaspora? This is the first diaspora. He takes them out there, and they basically have to live in a new country with a new culture and everything. It was the worst thing that could possibly happen. They're devastated. Their entire civilization, their culture is devastated. If God is a being that's super, how in the world could that God let this happen? They felt abandoned, alone. They were waiting for the flyby that never happened. And all they had to do was say, why? Do you not care about us anymore? Do you even know what's going on in my life? Karen Armstrong argues really convincingly, I think. It's in that time they wrote what they called the earliest stories, the creation poems. In the creation poem, the first one ends in this way. It says, in the image and likeness was humanity created. In the image and likeness of God. I'm going to use a different word. The spark of the divine was in us. And it was in the fish. If you look up at the top here, these are all the days of creation. It says that the spark of the divine is in everything around you. And so to the Babylonian people who are in diaspora going, God, the super being who was supposed to come fly by and take care of business, left us. But what if we shift our conception of God? Not as a being that's over there and may or may not come here but it's something that's intrinsic to everything. To you and to me. The spark of the divine is inside us. There's a reason why when I sit on top of a mountain and I look over top of the mountains and I go, there's something divine here. I don't know what it is, but in the language of our Babylonian exiles, the spark of the divine is in every moment there. Why is it that when we take a deep breath and we feel calmness, why is it that suddenly it feels like maybe there's something spiritual going on? Because the spark of the divine is in our breath. Can you feel this new conception starting to shift things? The idea is everything has the spark of the divine in it. Just take a second. Look to your right for a second in the crowd. The spark of the divine's there. Look to your left. Spark of the divine's there. Think of the most annoying, for you who are partnered, think of your most annoying thing that your partner does. Spark of the divine's there too. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, Clausen. Watch it, buddy. You're on thin ice. But what happens when you start to see it that way? When you look in the mirror in the morning after your shower and you're looking at yourself going, okay, that's not, I don't like that, I don't like that. 
What if we go, no, no, no. The spark of the divine is in all parts of me. That was Tillich's work. What if we look inside of ourselves, we look at ourselves in the mirror, and we say, no, 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 the spark of the divine is in every part of me. I'm no longer waiting for God to do a flyby, right? Localization, super being, God's over there, then God might be here, and then God's gone again. No, 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 the divine is all around me, and all I need to do is recognize it, open myself to it. Look at, think again. You're looking at yourself in the mirror. What parts of yourself do you not like? Tillich says, what if the reason we don't feel close to the divine is because we've denied parts of ourselves that are divine? And suddenly you go, ooh, those love handles are not divine. That extra 20 pounds, not divine. That funny cowlick on the top of my head, there is no way. That is from the devil for sure. And I say that as a joke. Think of all the bad things you've done. The things you're not proud of. The parts of yourself that you go, oh, that part I want to hide. That part I don't want to be connected to. What if the divine is there too? And so I said to the woman, again, not me, I'm not this smart. I said, what if the reason you're not feeling close to God is because, as Tillich says, there's a divinity in you, but that part of yourself, you've rejected. I can't handle that part. And what if the work of your spiritual life is to reintegrate all of you. All those divine bits that feel so gross, that we hate, that we reject. Oh, that's sobering, isn't it? Suddenly I'm like, I want the super being God again. (laughs) They can be over there, not here. The idea here is, the technical term is hyper-being. It's beyond being. It's coming to realize, as our mystic fathers did, so after Jesus, about 100 years, and then about 1,000 years later, you see all these mystics who are living in the middle of nowhere, contemplating, and they're going, no, no, no. There's something wrong with our conceptions of God. We think we have God all figured out. No, people are like, you know, what's God doing in this moment? I see this all the time. Pastors like me saying, God does this. Don't worry, God's over there. Okay, God likes this, doesn't like that. God's going to do a flyby. Just watch. Sunday morning, flyby time. Oh, it didn't happen? Hmm, Something's wrong with you all, huh? You didn't believe well enough. You have sin in your life. All these terms. What they're doing is they have a conception of God that says, I know that God is not here and how to bring God here. I have God figured out. And our spiritual ancestors said, oh, oh, no, 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 no. What if we conceive of God as beyond something that we can have all figured out? 
What if we see the divine in everything? Inside of ourselves, what if I have to look in the mirror and see all the parts I don't like and go, no, no, that's the divine too. What if I look at my lovely wife? Now, she has no problems whatsoever. You all know that, other than she has to put up with me. But what if she does the one thing that she does that's a little bit annoying, that's only very, very small? (laughs) What if I can see the divine there? And suddenly going, oh, wait, 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 wait. Why am I freaking out right now? What part of her divinity do I not accept? See how it starts to widen itself out? What part of her journey is impacting my journey? And I don't like that one, so that's definitely not divine. So I'm going to ignore that. I don't like that. The person who's driving in front of me in traffic, oh, no, no, they are not divine. I'm telling you that right now. Do you see how this idea of when you disconnect yourself from a conception of God as a super being, a being that's there or not there, and you suddenly see the divine in everything, how it changes everything. It's super annoying sometimes, too. The thing I want to reject so badly, when I look at it as the divine, I'm going, I don't want that part. The self-acceptance. The connection. Can you throw up that slide, the I, the, we, they, we? You guys, you, we've talked about this stuff all the time, right? You understand now that when we look at I, there's a divine concept of looking in ourselves and saying, wait a second, no, 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 I am okay. There's a divinity inside of me. I am created with a spark of the divine in me. One of, the, one of the authors, John, says it this way. He says, when we love somebody around us, when we love somebody around us, that's the divine. When we don't love ourselves. Now, look when we look at the them, right? When we look at them through the lens of the divine, we realize, oh, no, no, I can't keep you separate from me. The spark of the divine's in me and in you too. Now we have to be in this we. Ugh. I like it better when I can villainize you. You're doing it wrong. I don't like what you're doing. You're annoying me. I am separate from you. What happens when we see it all through the lens of the divine? We get to this we. And I'm going to go like this because this means I'm starting to lose words. That's why if you look at the right, it says physical realm, transcendent beyond physical we. You look at somebody else's pain and you see the divinity in that and you go, no, no, that's not their pain and I'm separate from it. You go, no, no, it's our pain. You look at the pain in the world and you go, no, no, I am not separate from it. It is my pain too because the divine is in all of that. Do you notice how my language is changing? Do you notice how I stopped using the word God a little while ago? Because God in my head and in my training skews towards a conception of God that is a super being. When I start talking about this, I start using words like divine, more than. 
when I look inside of all of us, when we sing together and we feel this connection and suddenly something's going on and there's more going on here that I go, I, something more, capital M, more, we. When I do that work of looking inside of myself and going, okay, what part of myself don't I love? That impacts we. In no way have we tried to explore conceptions of God as a way to undermine anyone's faith. Never have we tried to do that. But I have too many people who've come to me and said, Vince, I can't do it that way. The flyby God If you can do that conception of God, if super being works for you, I got to say, respect. It's a beautiful one. Sometimes I go to it. I move around conceptions all the time. I always say there's a conception of God for every moment of my life. When I'm feeling disempowered, when I'm feeling hopeless, when I'm feeling helpless, oh, I like super being. But most of my life, I live in this idea of God as hyper being, beyond being. Quick caveat, if you have shame, anyone, don't put up your hand. <laughs> Wait, shame wouldn't allow you to put up your hand. Fair. If you have shame, if there's a voice in your head that says to you right now, oh, Vince is full of crap, there is no way the divine is in this part of me. I am bad. If you have that voice, I just want you to listen to it and go, I hear that it's a coping strategy. That voice does not like this conception of God as being an in and through everything. It does not like that part. Because it challenges you to do the work to say, no, 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 I am lovable. I am worthy. It won't like that. So if you hear that voice, it's time to work on that. Friend Church was built on this concept that there's a meadow. This is traditional church. And on the meadow is an amusement park. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's like Disney World on crack, like just crazy. For some people, this is utopia. It's perfect. Everything is right. Everyone conceives of God as a super being in the same way. But for some reason, and we don't know why, some of us see those same amusement park rides, see the same manicured lawns, and instead of seeing something beautiful, we see something dilapidated and broken. Instead of feeling drawn towards it, we feel pulled away from it. We feel rejected by it. And so we find this, we're looking at all these other people doing it this way, and we're going, they all seem so freaking happy. Why is it not resonating for us? And so there's this push At the edge of the mejo is a ledge. And many of us were standing on the edge of the ledge going, my spiritual life can't go there. I can, I can visit sometimes, but I can't live there. And all I see there is atheism, rejection, throwing it all out. 
Now, some people, <laughs> they climbed over the edge of the cliff and they're hanging on with their noses over the edge going, <laughs> can I have the best of both worlds, please? <laughs> some people are climbing down. Some people just jumped. In that metaphor, friend church is like a ledge 20 feet down. You can't see it from up here. But we're having a party. We're having a great time. We're open to conceptions of God that aren't just the meadow. Sure, if you want to do meadow stuff, great. But it's not the only one. There's all sorts of stuff. God beyond being, God and everything, love it. Bring it. And we're down there going, hey, the people on the edge of the, the, the cliff, they're, they're like freaking out. And we're like, come on down. We're having a party down here. And they're like, ah. We have people who jumped, who threw it all out, climbing back up going, I thought I had to just end it. But that doesn't feel right either. So I have to climb up. They're, they're coming onto the meadow and going, wait, why does this thing feel so different here? What's going on? This is what happens when you open up to conceptions of God beyond what the meadow holds. You lose the meadow. Kind of sucks. But I want you to know, you are not alone. You have a community in person, 20,000 people online, who are sitting on a ledge, having a great time, having a party. Going, come on down. A couple years ago, I talked about some of this stuff. And I must have said it in a way that didn't resonate, because I got a bunch of feedback that said, is Vince an atheist? Does Vince even believe in God? At the time, I didn't know how to answer it because you needed to know all of this. If the question is, can Vince live in the meadow? I can't. I don't know why. I honestly wish I could. My mom lived in the meadow. It was beautiful for her. She died beautifully because of it. It didn't cause her death, but it gave her incredible comfort through her death. And I would sit there in awe of that, going, that is beautiful. For some reason, it doesn't work for me. So if you need me to hold a single conception of God as a super being that lives in the meadow, that's not me. I won't speak for Jeff, but I'll let him talk about that. But if you want to talk about a profound spirituality, a connection to something more, the divine, now that you understand what I mean by that, God, broad, open, touching every part of my life, touching every part of the world. I can look into all of you and I don't see a bunch of people here. I see moments of the divine walking through the world that I get to interact with and your divinity interacts other people's divinity. We inspire you to take water, which is this whole idea of your divinity impacting the world around you's divinity. Oh, that I believe in. That's what wakes me up in the morning and gets me to work. To inspire all of us to that. I don't know your journey. Chances are you have a conception of God like Homer Simpson, like Michelangelo. That fits in the meadow. And maybe it's worked for you for time, maybe it hasn't, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. 
Chances are you're here because something didn't quite work properly, though. Something happened that didn't fit. I want you to know there's more ways to conceive of God than just the old man in the sky. If that's what you need. But if you do, if you open yourself up to this God is beyond being, (laughs) you got some work to do. I got some work to do. I now have to reintegrate myself. Reconnect with those parts of myself that I find bad. And see the spark of the divine in them. I have to look at people who are my enemies and I encourage you to do the same thing. Spend this week, just do it. Your pastor just told you to get naked in front of a mirror and love all the parts of yourself that you see as a spiritual exercise. And then look at every person around you. The people that you love, the people that annoy you and look for the spark of the divine in them. See them that way. Build that sense of we What if that's your spiritual journey? Not seeing how long you can live in the meadow, but seeing divinity in everything. I'm telling you, this is a spirituality that will change the world. That's why I care about it. Have a great week, everybody. Jeff's up next week. Oh, no, I'm up next week. Sorry. (laughs) I'm going to talk about why we should care. It's going to be a little bit of epistemological, which is a big word to say we're going to care about it. It's going to be worth coming out. If you're here for the, uh, uh, the orientation, just stay here. We're just going to tear down some stuff. We've lost heat in the library, and so the kids can't go to the library to watch the service. So that's why it was a bit noisier today. If we go in there, we'll freeze to death. So... Just stay here, chill out, grab a coffee. I'll see you guys in a few minutes. Thanks, everybody.